So over the last two weeks, we've been reminded of some incredible truths in Ephesians 2. From from knowing and realizing that outside of Christ, we are a hopeless people. But and, and separated from God, but in Christ, in Christ, we have life. We have purpose. We're set apart for good works. This is what God has done in our lives as those who follow Jesus. Last week in our passage, we were challenged to take time to remember who we were apart from Christ and who we are in Christ. Right. Last week, we recounted our testimonies. This week, we're just going to tackle a few verses this week. I want us to see Jesus as the cornerstone, the cornerstone whom believers, those in Christ, are joined together and being built together into a holy temple. Since Jesus is our cornerstone, Jesus is our cornerstone. We sang a song about that last week. Jesus is our cornerstone. Paul, what he's going to do in these these few verses is he's going to give us Three pictures of what this means, of how we are brought into this cornerstone. He's given us three pictures of really the church. So let me read this passage. We're in Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. Let me read this and then we're going to look at these three pictures. Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You probably picked up on several of those pictures as I was reading it, right? So our big idea for the day is this. Believers, right? Us, those in Christ, are joined together and are being built together upon Christ the cornerstone. That's it. So these three pictures that Paul gives us, they, they're, they're a kingdom, a family, and a temple. A kingdom, a family, and a temple. This first one we see, we are citizens. We are citizens in God's kingdom. Listen to what he says right here in verse 19. So then, so then, in light of everything I've said in the last few verses. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. So then, you're no longer... You're no longer strangers and aliens. And this is where he started our passage last week in verse 12. He said, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of your promise. We talked about this. We were homeless. We were strangers. We were aliens. But now Paul says, no, that's not true of you anymore. You're no longer strangers. You're no longer aliens. Your fellow citizens with the saints. Your fellow citizens, you've been brought into the, the, the kingdom of God. 
We have a home now. We're no longer homeless. We're no longer aliens and strangers. It says we're together with the saints. We've been made saints. This is how Paul addresses the people of Ephesus in 1.1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. He's reminding us we're citizens along with all the other saints in this incredible kingdom. Citizenship in the kingdom of God. We're citizens. We have rights and benefits that non-citizens have. This is one that we read about last week in verse 18. Non-citizens don't have access to God. It said last week in verse 13 that they're godless. They're godless. They're without God. Now we are citizens with the saints. And verse 18 says that we can have access to the king. As citizens in God's kingdom, we have access to the king. And we can approach this king in confidence because of what Christ Jesus has done. We are citizens in God's kingdom. If you, if you remember, as, you, as you've read Acts before, book of Acts, Paul used his Roman citizenship to actually get him out of trouble several times. There were benefits and rights that Paul used in order even to go and appeal to Caesar, which he felt like that was his mission that Jesus had given him. Hey, I'm going to appeal to Caesar because I want to take the gospel to Rome. Right? So as citizens of God's kingdom, it comes with rights and benefits. One of them is access to the Father. And access is prayer. And we can pray to our Father. We can intercede for one another. We can access him. Another benefit that Paul is, is going to share here, but it's also another picture, is that we're not only citizens, but then on into verse 19, as we continue, he says, and members of the household of God. We are members in God's household. This is familial language. We're family. We are family of God. We're members of God's family. This should stir your hearts. This is good news. You're no longer orphaned. You're no longer homeless. You are part of the family of God. You are sons and daughters of, king, of, of the King. Your brother is Christ Jesus. We're brought into his family. 1-5. We looked at this one of the first weeks we started in Ephesians. He told this church, he said, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. We are members in God's household according to the purpose of his will. This is God's will for your life. That you're a part of this family. You have been adopted. You are sons and daughters of the king. How does this idea that we are members, we are, we are members in God's family, how does this impact the way we love one another? How does, how does even thinking about family language, how does that stir your heart? 
for the person sitting to your left and right? Does it change the way you think about that person? A family, a family loves one another through difficult seasons. We can rely upon one another. We're not always looking to have our needs met, but we're looking to meet others' needs. That's what we do. In a family, there's a role to play, right? There's a, there's a husband, there's a wife, or maybe a father and a mother. There's kids, there's aunts and uncles, right? We have roles to play in this family. We protect, we watch out, we care for, we endure, we love. We're members in God's household. And like any family, we want our family to grow. Right? This is not a this isn't a family that has just has been cut off, right? This family is growing and we're going to see that in the next the next picture that Paul is going to give us. But what does family mean to you? What does family mean? One of the things that I've just greatly appreciated as we've gotten to sit in many of your homes is there is a there is a true care and a true love for one another at Newell. It has been incredible to hear stories of how y'all have wrapped around one another in, in, the, in the death of loved ones, in hard times. And that has truly stirred my heart to give praise to God as I've heard these things. It is absolutely amazing to hear stories from 50, 60, 70 years ago of just being there being present in one another's lives, of having cookouts in the backyard, of, of you know, those, those relationships that, that have formed from Phil and Tammy, right? Like in the backyard where they didn't like each other and then they, then they decided, oh, I like you, I like you now. And that's just incredible, like to hear these stories of y'all being in one another's lives, of, of many of, of you couples that are out here, of the things that you used to do together. Like, this is what it means to be family in the church. We actually like being around one another. We actually like just hanging out with one another. So what does family mean? What does family mean? We want this family to grow. In God's economy, in His plan, we know that this family grows through the proclamation of the gospel. We know as we go and share the gospel, other brothers and sisters are brought in, other sons and daughters are brought into this family. As, as Paul continues in this, he, he doesn't want us to forget these first two pictures that he gives us. 
this, this citizenship in God's kingdom, this member of God's household. But here what he wants to do is he wants to show that both of these and this next idea of God's temple are built on a firm foundation and on a cornerstone that does not move. So as he continues in 20 to 22, he says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. We see we're citizens, we're family, but this last picture, we're stones in God's temple. We are stones in God's temple. It's a building. It's a temple that we see. It has a firm foundation and it's built on the cornerstone, which is Christ Jesus. This is why we're here. This is why we gather. This is why we have unity. This is why we have love for one another. We're built on Christ Jesus, the cornerstone. First, he says the foundation is built on the prophets and apostles. The apostles and prophets have laid the foundation. One commentator says the primary and authoritative recipients and proclaimers of revelation. That is who the apostles and prophets were. They're the ones when Jesus commissioned and he ascended into heaven. These are the ones who who continued teaching, who continued to lay the foundation for the church. Acts 2.42, we recounted it earlier. The church devoted itself to the apostles' teaching, to God's word. That is the foundation. It's God's word that was proclaimed by the apostles and prophets. The apostles were those commissioned by Jesus who were with him and saw him resurrected from the dead. There were 12 with Jesus. One killed himself because he betrayed Jesus. They brought another one on and then Paul came on. These were the original apostles that laid the foundation. The prophets, these are New Testament prophets. Yes, we see Old Testament prophets, but here Paul is specifically talking about New Testament prophets. Yet, regardless, the message hasn't changed. The prophets of old and the prophets of new in Jesus, right after Jesus, they were preaching the same message. This is what the found, this is the foundation that has been laid. It is built on the word of God, which was proclaimed by the apostles and the prophets. I want you to think about this. What happens? And we're, we're going to come back to this. What happens to a structure if the foundation is weak? What happens to a structure if the foundation is weak? It crumbles. It does not stand. Yet Paul here says it is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So yes, the apostles and prophets through the proclamation of the word of God, there has been a foundation laid, but that foundation cannot stand apart from Christ Jesus, the cornerstone. Christ is the one who unifies. He's the one who supports. He's the orienter of this entire structure. Christ is the vital cornerstone on whom the building is constructed. The foundation and position of all other stones 
in this superstructure where we t- we're, we're determined by him. The foundation of the apostles and prophets and all the other stones us throughout the history of the church and into the future, we get our support, our orientation, and our unity from Christ the cornerstone. Christ the cornerstone. He's the one who holds us together. He's the one that joins us together. Isaiah, in Isaiah 28, calls him a sure foundation. He is one that will not move. He will not change. When we're faithless, He remains faithful because that's who He is. Christ is our cornerstone. He is the only one to build our lives upon. Another quick question. What have you or what are you building your life on? Is Christ your cornerstone? Is God's Word your foundation? Or do you try to build on other things that will easily fade? That will be burned with fire. We want to build our lives upon Christ, the cornerstone. In a few minutes, we're going to sing on the solid rock. We're going to sing that song. Christ is that solid rock. In a few minutes, when we wrap up, we're going to get to rejoice in what this passage is talking about. But Paul also here, he tells us, built, right, we're built on this, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. If you look at 21 and 22, if you, look, if you put them uh, side by side, what you'll see is they're really saying the same thing. In whom the whole structure being joined together, in him you also are being built together, grows into a holy temple, a dwelling place of God, in the Lord by the Spirit. You see that symmetry there in 21 and 22. Paul really wants us to understand this, that we are stones. First Peter 2 uses this same language. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. See, we are living stones. And just as we said earlier that we want our family to grow, we want more stones to be added. This is a living organism that is not finished. This holy temple is continuing to be built. It is in a continual state of construction as each new saint becomes a new stone. As we proclaim the gospel, as we share the good news of Jesus to people, new stones are being added and connected to the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. Have you been connected to this? Are you joined together? Are you being built together into this? Christ is the cornerstone in whom we build our lives. The scriptures are so clear. We've seen it the last two weeks. Apart from Christ, we are hopeless, godless, dead in sins and trespasses. 
But in Christ, we find life. We find something to stake our lives on. We we find a foundation that will not crumble. Jesus was perfect in every way. That's why he can set us straight. That's why why we can build our lives on that. Through his death and resurrection, we find life if we will repent of our sins and turn to Christ Jesus. We are built on this. We're joined together. This togetherness language, we're joined together. It grows into a holy temple in the Lord. It grows into a holy temple in the Lord. We're on a journey. Yes, we're joined together and we're being built, but we're on a journey to holiness together. This is a corporate pursuit. We do this together. Holiness just simply can be defined without sin. And all of us in here would say, we ain't there yet. We're not there. For you that have walked 70 years with Christ, you're not there. You're still being sanctified. You're still being made holy. For you in Christ that have been in Christ for a year, you're not there. You're still being sanctified. You're still being made holy. But the beauty of it is we get to do this together. We're joined together. We're being built together into this holy temple. Are you pursuing holiness individually and corporately? One of my favorite things to do is to get together with guys and talk about the word. But we don't only just talk about the word. We challenge one another with the word. This past week, we were finishing up 2 Timothy. And and right there in chapter 4, Paul recounts some men who had left the faith. He talks about Demas. Says Demas was, was intoxicated with the world and the love of the world. And he departed from us. And we challenge one another. Hey, what in this world can grab your affections? See, that's what it means to pursue holiness together. We challenge one another. What is grabbing your affections? How are you pursuing the world instead of pursuing Christ? And it's not just a simple stop it. It's a look at Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. It's a gaze at Christ who has done it all and we rest in Him. Yes, now we work out our salvation with fear and trembling for it is God at work in us. God supplies the power for us to do this. That's why we're connected to the cornerstone. He says we grow into a holy temple and then He says we're being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Paul uses similar language in 1 Corinthians 6. He says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. We do this together. We're being built up into a dwelling place, into a holy temple. And we're indwelled by the Spirit. Yes, the Spirit has sealed us. We saw that in in Ephesians 1. But He also indwells us 
He fills us. This is how this is made possible. This is how we can love one another. Because in our flesh, we will not love one another. (laughs) We will let conflict and bitterness sow seeds of discord. But with the Spirit and with His help, we will walk in unity. And we will be we will be an incredible temple for the world to see. Jesus is our cornerstone upon whom we are built and joined together. We want to continue to add more and more stones. We know God does, the, does that, but we stay faithful to proclaim the gospel. We need to be a people that call others to repent and believe that they may be connected to this cornerstone. That they will find a firm foundation to build their lives upon. In the Sermon on the Mount, and I'll close, as Jesus is teaching, He teaches all of these incredible truths, one after the other. And then as He closes out the Sermon on the Mount, He gives a picture of a wise builder and a foolish builder. And he says the wise builder is one who has built his house on a firm foundation so that when storms come, rains come, it stands. But the foolish one builds his house on sand and is quickly wiped away. So my final question this morning as we close and I pray is do you need to come and build upon the cornerstone that cannot be moved. Jesus is our cornerstone. Let's pray. Our Father, we do give you praise for this day. Thank you for Jesus. We thank you for him being our cornerstone with whom we are connected. We are joined together. We are being built up together into a holy temple. Father, that foundation of the cornerstone and the teaching of the apostles and prophets, we lay our lives on that. Father, we thank you for the reminder this morning that we're citizens in your kingdom, that we are a part of your family, and that we're stones in a holy temple. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.